0: This morning, uh, as much as I'd love to preach that passage of Scripture, that's not where we're going to go, but boy, it's a good one. Uh, Let's go to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings this morning. And we want to begin there in the 22nd chapter of 2 Kings. And we're going to read there uh, verses 1 through 11. And I see this message uh, from 2 Kings today so appropriate to the times in which we find ourselves in. We seem to be looking for answers everywhere, and uh, we're not different in that respect. Uh, Throughout history, uh, nations after nation after nation, they've all faced uh, trouble and trial and tumult and war and famine these things and, and because God made people with a brain and we are to look around and observe and reason and things of that nature, we've all stood in a group or we've sat at the table and we've reasoned together and tried to come to some understanding of why these things happen and how do we resolve these things. And unfortunately, so many times through history, we see us looking in the wrong place And of course, Israel in their time of history in which this takes place is doing just that. Have for some time. And yet, there is always hope. The hope of repentance. The hope of taking the Word of God and not just being a hearer of it, but being a doer of it. And that God would bring out true uh, uh, faith and repentance and revival in those who choose to honor God. The, with, the, with the fruit and the first fruits of their life. And so I want you to stand this morning uh, as we honor the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 1 of Second Kings chapter 22. Verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His name was Jedidah, the daughter of Isaiah of Bosch, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. It came to pass in the eighteenth year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azalea, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to to Hilkiah, high priest, "...that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work. Who are the overseers in the house of the Lord, let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work, to repair the damages of the house to carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house." However, there, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. And then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And so Shaphan the scribe went to the king bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and the." into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And verse 11 says, now when it happened, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word. And this morning... I just want to acknowledge that, Lord, you and you alone are the King of glory. There is none like you. There will never be anyone like you, Father. And you are always present and you're all powerful. And, Lord, as we've gathered today to open the Word, to sing songs, Lord, help us to be reminded that when we entered into the portals of glory one day, the only thing that we're doing now that we'll continue to do then is worship and praise you. And God, work in our hearts today. Lord, help us not to just be a hearer, but a doer of the Word. And may we rediscover, as your dear children did, the power of the Word of God. And may it change us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Well, as we read about the reign of Josiah, we understand that Josiah was just a young man, a child, when he was uh, ordained as king. Now, we understand, obviously, that as an eight-year-old, uh, he's just not given the keys to the kingdom, you know. Uh, he is uh, uh, growing under the leadership of advisors and and people. But there is a coming a time, and it's not very long, as a matter of fact, if we're over at Chronicles, we understand that by the time he was 16, he was already enacting reforms uh, in the land of Israel, because he had understood, as he looked around and he surveyed, that the land was in a mess, that the people were a mess, that there was, uh, there were, there were other nations that that would want to attack and 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 harm the people of God, and and. Josiah's looking around and his council of people and they're looking at the devastation that, that years of idolatry and spiritual adultery had cost them and they're asking the question, how do we fix all the problems and the calamity in our land? And, and, and some of those advisors, though it's clear at the time they were not in the temple worshiping God, they didn't have the law of God, but there was enough heritage that had been passed down to godly people that were around Josiah to say, well, I tell you what we probably ought to do. We ought to go back and do what our forefathers did. Because there was a time, Josiah, that we were not like this. There was a time we didn't do the things that we did. There were the times that we were not uh, uh, throwing our kids into the fire of Moloch so that we might have a good harvest. There were times that we did not believe gods with no eyes and gods with ears that could not hear, and hands that could never extend to our problem could do anything, Josiah. And I'm just of the mindset that nothing will ever change if something doesn't change. Amen. And he, got a, he caught the vision of that. And he, he kind of, I, I, in my mind, he kind of reasoned with himself and said, well, you know, at this point, what have we got to lose? And so he begins to act on what had been passed down to him And and he begins to see the results of it. Now, when we get over in chapter 23 and 2 Chronicles 34, I mean, let me tell you something. He takes what he is doing as the conviction of God falls on him, he takes it it very seriously. In other words, he's not just convinced that, that, that moving a little to God is enough. He is a person that is all in. And God, give us people today that in the times in which we live, realize there needs to be, we need to be all in. We have such soft peddling of the gospel today. Uh, When we we deal with ourselves, or certainly standing in a pulpit or, or, or in a class where we are teaching the Word of God. So many times we, we have to put on soft gloves because uh, God forbid our feelings get hurt. I want to tell you, if we take a serious look at introspection in our lives and we look at God's Word as the source and as as the standard in which we are to operate in our lives, my friend, your feelings and my feelings are going to get hurt. And we just need to, uh, you know, in in our today we need to put our big boy britches on and we need to put our big girl britches on and we just need to rise to the occasion and say God what do you want to do in my life whether it's painful or not I'm willing to do it Josiah was that kind of person and it's amazing to me that just some things that leap off the page obviously at us as we look at this here was Josiah who was a young person and Notice that as they are to the place of they are instituting these reforms and they're sending money to people uh, to do this work. And it says, it tells us, uh, Josiah says that there was no need uh, for accountability with these men. That the, that the overseers, that the, that the offerings of God's people had been collected that he said you can give it to them and there's no need for an accountant. Because these men are faithful. See, Josiah gives us. We we learn something that when we surround ourselves with good people, godly people, people that possess the right worldview, it saves us a whole lot of trouble. He said, "There's no need to worry about." These guys out here swindling us out of it because he had surrounded himself with faithful people. And we understand a basic principle in the Word of God that if we are around people that are of suspect character, as we like to say, they're, they're sus. They're sus, right? It's sketch, man. These people are sketch. I mean, if we surround ourselves with that, guess whose character gets polluted? The godly character gets polluted. I want to tell you, I don't care how small you are today, I could stand up in a chair and most anybody in here could pull me out of that chair. It's a lot harder to pull somebody up than for them to drag you down. Because see, the agent of change in a person's life is not you and it ain't me. It's the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that concept. He had surrounded himself with godly people. And... The, the reality is, is as they are going through, they're doing what's necessary. And they begin to, to institute these reforms in the land and they are repairing the temple. See, Josiah understands something about human nature. And you get this over in Chronicles. The reality is everybody in here, I've said this a thousand times, Everybody in here is worshiping something because God made us that way. We were made to worship and we're going to worship something. It's either going to be God or it's going to be some other thing or it's going to be ourselves because we love ourselves. We created the selfie. I mean, we love ourselves. So something's going to be on the throne in your life and and we're going to worship something. And Josiah knew that it wasn't enough just to tear down the high places and tell the people, hey, these gods that, that you've been worshiping for so long, they have brought this country to ruin and he understood it wasn't enough just to get rid of them. Something had to replace it because if he'd have just tore it down and left it, what were they going to do? They were going to just go right back to some other god. It might not have been called Baal. It might not have been the Asherah, but it, it would have just been something else. Josiah understood that if we tear down the spiritual idolatry, if something is not replacing it, There'd just be another God there. See, that's the whole problem with the idea of of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and all this kind of idea of remaking yourself and cleaning yourself up. Listen, the devil does not care what God's on the throne of your heart so long as it ain't God. He has no problem with religion. He has no problem with your good moral uh, teachings that you want. Pull from the Bible to build your worldview. Those people are just as long as the most corrupt, depraved heathen you can imagine, folks. There's not hell number two. There's just one. For those who are really good without Christ go to the same place as those are really bad without Christ. The devil doesn't care. As long as God, as long as the Lord Adonai is not ruling on the reign of your heart, he couldn't care less. And Josiah understood that. That if we're going to hate, to tear down the altars and the high places. And man, he goes everywhere. You read in in chapter 23, you go over there to 2 Chronicles, he goes everywhere. He's going up to the mountaintops. He's grinding it into powder, spreading the ashes across the valley, digging up the priests, burning their bones on the altar to defile it. I mean, he is all in. Somebody called him a radical. They call him a radical, man. You really believe that? He believed it. I'm telling you, He did. he tore it down. I mean, He ground it to powder. He made every everybody understand, man, not only are we going to cut it down, we're going to burn it. We're going to defile it. We're going to all. it. We, we later hear about all these articles that belong to Baal and all the idolatry. These things were in the temple. They gathered them all up. They bring them outside to the valley of Kidron and they burn it. As to say, that has... No place here. And when you're smelling the smoke, understand that won't be tolerated in this land any longer. God, give us people with that kind of conviction in our own lives that we would remove that which causes us to sin and causes others to sin. See, Josiah understood the times in which he lived in and he understood how people of influence influence other people. See, people draw people. Have you ever noticed that? People draw people. I mean, there's, I cannot tell you how many books in a given year and conferences come out about new ways that we have found as you know, denominational leaders and all this kind of stuff of ways to reach people for Jesus. And that's all good. But it doesn't matter how good or how new or on the edge and how much you take advantage of the latest technology. The way to draw people to Jesus is still the same way. Your personal invitation to someone has more of an effect than the best strategy, than the the most charismatic pastor, which you ain't got, but you just fill in the blank. I mean, on average, 85% of your friends, your relatives, the people you work with, the people you live close to, 85% of the time, if you invite them to church, they'll come. And we said, well, I'm going to get my pastor to go see him. That number drops to 6% because people draw people. And Josiah, he understands that. He understands that that influence is just that, it's influence. Why does he understand this? Because, see, Josiah comes from a lineage of other kings. Notice he said he did what was right in the eyes of his father David. He did not say he did what was right in the, in the sight of his grandfather, who was Manasseh because he was wicked. And Josiah understands that a king has influence. We understand the reason. We're talking about the southern kingdom is because under of Solomon, he allowed idolatry to prosper and it divided the kingdom. And and as the word says, a divided house will not stand. They did not stand either. They were both overtaken in history. So he understands the the power of influence. And we understand that when we think about the fact that his grand his granddad was one of the most wicked kings ever in Judah, we need to understand that whatever heritage you got, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be that. I understand in the world, coming out of a world of fostering and these things, I understand they are wicked and depraved people. And some of them were your mom or your dad. And you may have grew up in that, but praise be to God, that does not have to determine who we will be. Is it influence? Absolutely. Does it have an effect? Absolutely. But it does not have to define you. Josiah is proof of that. Faced with the heritage versus the history of a nation and those men that were surrounding him, he chose to do what was right. See, we need to understand something. That who you are in Jesus Christ and who you belong to trumps every other factor in your life. And as a father who's looking into the eyes of his kids who want them to grow up and love and serve Jesus, I understand that the greatest impact on them that they will stay connected to the faith is not how good I can be, but that they believe this Word. That they believe it overwhelming 1900% is that's the impact of all the other factors do you believe the word of god see Josiah hey he found a book and it changed his life and it changed the lives of the nation of Judah and i want to tell you if you discover the book it'll change your life see we got a problem in our country today And we like to say, well, it's it's politics. And there's a lot of problems wrong with politics. I always have been, and they always will be. But if you want revival in this nation, and you want things to change in this nation, it's not going to happen because of what we got 2,000 miles up the road. It won't happen. It will happen when people around this country say, I've had enough of that. I'm not looking to them to solve my problem. There is a book that tells me how to live and who to love and how to parent. And because of the authority in which it possesses, I will believe it and I will act upon it. And if you do that, Scripture says, history says, you will have revival. And that's what we need. We all agree we say we're pretty much at the, the stage in our country where it's revival or bust. Well, if it's revival or bust, Josiah is telling us I found the book. And the Scriptures say not only did they find the book, but they read the book. And then there's something else that happens. He obeyed the book. And you know what we have today? We have homes that are filled with the book. But unfortunately it stays on the coffee table and it is never read. And unfortunately, the book that that I have in the nightstand or the book that's now on my phone because I have an app for that. It is there, but it is not read. And when it is not read, I'm not listening, I'm not acting, and I'm not obeying. And I want to tell you folks, you can sleep with the Bible on your head. It will not make its way into your brain. As a matter of fact, we understand that when we look at this, and and notice what he found. He found the law. He found Deuteronomy. And and if you read through Deuteronomy, it, it is what it is. It's the law. It is you do this, and if you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. And something happened in the Word of God here that when Josiah, when he heard the Word read, he said, Oh my Lord, we got to repent. Destruction. Desolation is coming. We got to repent. And it and it he tore his clothes. That's a sign in the Old Testament of contrition of heart and repentance. It's exactly what we say in the New Testament that we are we're, we're heading into sin. Repentance is turning away from sin and important, turning to God. Not just turning away from sin, but turning to God. And that's what he did. He heard the word, and he obeyed the word. Now here's something that I find interesting. The temple's a wreck. And prior to discovering the law, they were just trying again to get back to the place where they worshiped God. They were trying to rediscover their roots and who they were and the promise and the blessing of God. that temple over there, that's where we worship God. It's a mess. It's a wreck. And they begin to clean it up. And I want to tell you something. There's a great picture of this. When they begin to clean up the rubble, get rid of all of the the artifacts and the utensils used in, in idolatry, when they begin to purge all of those things out of the temple, they found the treasure of God in His law, in His book. Christian, let me tell you something if we want to experience the treasure and the goodness of God and the power of God in our life, folks, it's time to clean up. Time to clean up. Clean out. I mean, you know, clean it up, man. And when we start removing things from our life that the Holy Spirit puts His finger on, and we know they don't need to belong there. And when we actively start doing that, you know what we find? We find the treasure of God. We find the goodness of God. They discovered this, and when they discovered it, it says that Josiah heard it. It was read to him. And it's interesting because in, in kind of our world, we think, well, the, you know, an evangelist has got to, has got to reach you. I'm a, I'll get the youth pastor, or I'll get the pastor, whatever. I, you know, we want to win souls via proxy, and that ain't, that ain't the way it works. Notice who read the book. The secretary. Chaphon, no doubt he had an impact on Josiah. He was a godly man, but it's not the priest. The priest is not coming down there reading the book to Josiah. His secretary is. Part of his cabinet. And again, it just screams at the influence that you have as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He read it. The book was read to him and he heard it. And the Scriptures tell us that his heart was tender and he humbled himself before the Lord. You know, the, the Lord says, when he inquires of the Lord later on in this passage of Scripture, and uh, he wants to find out what does this mean, and, and the Lord says, well, what it means is that destruction was surely coming, but, thank God for that. But because your heart was tender, I'm going to allow you Repentance, room for repentance and for revival to impact the nation. He read it. He responded to the message. We see repentance in verse 11. And then, as a changed believer, as a new creation in Christ, the New Testament version of what's taking place here. And of course, if we follow what's given to us there in 2 Corinthians 5, that not only are we new creations in Christ Jesus and the former things have passed away and new things have come, but also He's given us the ministry of of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 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 in a sense, that's exactly what's happening because when Josiah hears the word and he responds to the word, his very first next act over here in chapter 23 is that he gets all of the leaders together. And you know what he does? He reads the book. He reads the book and he makes and he reestablishes a covenant with them of the forgotten vows that for years they had forsaken. Revival comes because since the Judges, they have the first Passover observed. To my understanding, the first time it takes place since Judges. This is worship. This is revival that is gripping a nation because of the Word, the book, and acting on that book. So, application-wise, right? Here we are, 2023, long way away from that. You know, you have all these smart people today. Well, that's just an old book. It's not relevant. Oh, sure it is relevant. Very relevant because we can't change to be it. the same rotten sinners we've always been. Rotten sinners get together and they form a government and we're still just a bunch of rotten sinners. We pass legislation and you know what we are? We're still just a bunch of rotten, depraved sinners that are in need of a Savior. Nothing has changed. Throughout history, nothing has changed. So as I tell my young people, we're going to use a little soap. We're going to read the Scripture, we're going to observe it, and we're going to apply it and, and act on it in prayer. So what does this mean for us? To rediscover the Bible presently, you might say. Well, we need to re- discover, first of all, that the Bible is authoritatively. It's not a book of suggestions but it speaks from authority. And we got folks today that say, well, uh, you know, the Bible's not an authority on science. It's not an authority on history. Okay, well, it's not created to be that, but when the Bible speaks about something in the science world or when it speaks about historical things, uh, it is authoritative. It absolutely is authoritative. If, if God's Word speaks to it, it's speaking to it from a level... Uh, which is why when we address or assess the situation of our land today, what is the standard in which we are assessing? Well, I'm using the Word of God. He says, blessed is a nation who does X, Y, and Z. Realize the Bible tells us what a good government and the structure of government ought to look like, and it even tells us the purpose of government. And the purpose of government is not to run around and make sure everybody who's insane has a bathroom they can use. That's not the purpose of government. It's not. It's not the purpose of government to take money from people that work hard and give it to people who don't want to work at all. That's not the purpose of government. As a matter of fact, scripturally, that is called covetousness. And God took that very seriously. And there was a time we did too. God And, and by, the same, by the same word, the Bible tells us that we're, to be, that we're to be ministering to the poor and the downcast and the downtrodden. The gospel is that. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. But the government's job, according to Scripture, is to punish evil. That's the reason it exists. Well, what determines what's right and what's wrong? The Word of God. And that's why when we assess, we say this is what the Word says, this is what we're doing, and whether there's a D or an I or an R by your name, if you violate it, you're wrong, period. I don't care what your party platform is and I don't care whose neighbor of a neighbor or friend that you used to work with or you're on some grift because of what they're doing. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Period. Doesn't matter. Because the Bible speaks with authority. And it doesn't matter who you are. Says it, tells it like it is. We need to understand that the Bible is authoritative and that when we're talking about rediscovering the Bible we understand that this is personally personally We we're forget what everybody else is doing what are you doing what are you doing what has God called you to do personally how is God working in your life in my life personally everybody else ain't your problem That's usually a sign you are the problem. Because everybody else has got a problem. Not all the time, but a lot of times. God speaks to us personally in His Word. That the Holy Spirit, the Word, burns in our hearts when we are communion with God and we we are right with God. Practically speaking, when we rediscover the Word, when we open up the Word, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 1.5 that a wise man will hear and will increase learning. We understand the importance of this idea of reading it and acting on it because we understand that, that when we read something, we are bound to forget it usually 90 to 95% of the time. This is the problem with husbands and wives when a wife tells her husband what to do. Honey, right? down and six months later when we check it off that's why we did it because we long forgot when you told us yelling over the kids in the kitchen while the bulldog game's on (laughs) write it down because 90 to 95 percent of the time we do not remember what we hear and then we understand that if we read it ourselves And this is another problem. We forget 70% of the time what we read. Which is why we need to study it. We're told in Scripture to study. Study to show thyself. approved. Diligently seek the Word of God whenever we have an opportunity. We're told in Scripture to memorize it, to hide it in our heart, and that we are to meditate on it. Meditate on it according to Psalm 1 and 2, night and day. Two big problems we have today. We don't treasure the gift we have. And we don't obey the gift that we have. I'm reminded Rich Warmbrand, who lived both under the German occupation and the Russian occupation of Romania. And as a believer, you know, he said of in comparing the Nazis under Hitler to the Russians under Stalin, this man said that the Nazis were like angels compared to them. That's why when, when, when folks want to come at you with communism is really the greatest thing in the world, just understand that there's more people that's died under the communism. There's a, reason why it's, there's a reason why the flag's red. Because it's death and destruction and he said the Nazis were like angels compared to the communists in, in the work camp in which he was at in prison for him being a believer because you got to understand in, in, in the closed world of communism the state's the God you wear the red bandana you wear the red marker to identify that you are in solidarity with the fact that the government is the giver of your rights and they are God And that's what you promote day, night, everywhere you look. Well, Richard Warmbrand was a believer. And just as Paul could not give allegiance to Caesar as the king, he could not either. And many of them were thrown in prison for their faith. And in one of the places in which he was in, part of their job was to, you know, clean the restroom facilities of the officers. Imagine how they made sure it was just as disgusting as possible. And one of the things that they did is when they confiscated Bibles, they would use the pages as the toilet paper. Understanding that when they got through, they would take the trash out before they came in because they understood that they'd do anything to have a copy of the Word of God. That's why I say we don't don't treasure what we got. Richard Warmbrand records in his book that he wrote Tortured for Christ. He'd come in there one day and in the corner over there was, was a wadded up tiny piece that they had forgot about. And he took it back to his cell. It was out of the book of Romans. And they treasured that verse or two of Scripture. We don't treasure the gift that we have. And we don't do what it says to do. Recently, I'm always fascinated about faith stories of people that, that are in our modern world and, and uh, you know, reality people, you know, that kind of stuff, that when they get saved and, and how that's, uh, you know, recorded and, and, and how it's reported and so forth. And recently, a woman that, that if, if you were watching, I think it was Discovery Channel, you know, 15 years ago, there was, a, there was a, a, a big documentary reality show about a tattoo artist named Kat Von D. And uh, recently, she came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. And the interesting thing when you read about her conversion, I mean, she's a new Christian. But when she read it, when she heard it, when she came to saving faith, understand this woman came out of the background of the occult. She had libraries in her home, of books about the occult. She read behind uh, modern day witches and witchcraft and the occult. And when she got saved, you know what she did? She threw all of that away. Every bit of it. She recognized, I cannot have allegiance and solidarity with Christ and have my home filled with this garbage. And so she said, I I don't know everything. I'm not in no position to disciple anybody, but I just know this is what it said, and there are some things in my life that have to change if I'm going to line up with this. Will she pay a price? Sure she will. She'll pay a price. Her makeup line ain't going to sell as much as it used to. No doubt. But is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, listen, get out of our minds. And I'm just going to tell you the truth because I love you. Get out of your mind that in the culture in which we live today, if you're going to follow young people, old people, it doesn't matter. Whatever generation you're from, get out of your mind that we are living at a time where if you're going to be all in for Jesus, it ain't going to cost you nothing. It's going to cost you something. It's going to absolutely cost you something. Josiah was willing to pay the price. Others have been willing to pay the price. Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing are you willing to pay the price? Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for salvation that came to us, prophesied all those years before that Lord, you fulfilled every single word you said. Thank you Lord that I can go to your word today and I know that what the world says about me does not determine who I am but God what you say about me determines that. And God I've been saved and I'm in a process of sanctification but Lord I know that one day I'm going to be changed. I'm going to step into heaven and I'm going to be glorified. Father I pray that if we don't know that today in our heart of hearts that you're not the Savior Lord of our life that Lord today it will be the day that we nail that down. God, may the power of the convicting Holy Spirit today work in our lives and our hearts, drawing us to a cross. Whatever we need to do today, maybe we need to publicly rededicate our life, or maybe we need to come and publicly confess Christ for the first time, or maybe we need to uh, you know, move our membership and, and, and be in solidarity with the mission and the purpose that you call this local church to, to do and fulfill. But God, help us to act. On what the Spirit of God is saying in our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand to our feet.